Go to the rock. Go to the rock. So much. Thank you so much, Father. Thank you so much. What a blessing. What a blessing. Ah, should be on. Yeah, I got it on here. Okay. There we go. Amen. All right, everyone. So, well, before we go to our message and, and, and what a message that was in song. Thank you once again. Um, we have a couple prayer prayer needs we want to remember. Uh, Brian, Brian uh, Hack, is that how you say it? Hack? He's in the hospital, uh, recovering, but he's in the Kaiser Hospital, hoping hoping to get out soon. But we want to pray for Brian, okay? Pray for his recovery. Brian, Brian, our greeter, Brian. Uh huh, Brian, yes. So he's in the hospital, um, recovering, hoping to be out soon. Um, we also want to remember Carol because we're having her uh, uh, service for her daughter Saturday. Um, also, Carolyn, Carolyn Hatfield. Uh, we want to pray. She's not able to be here today, and uh, so um, due to uh, uh, physical reasons, health reasons, we want to pray for Carolyn. So let's go ahead and bow our heads together in prayer. Father God, we pray for our brother Brian who uh, we just love so much. And uh, we just pray your Holy Spirit come to him right now and help him even to sense our prayers, Lord. Uh, let your Holy Spirit just just uh, uh, comfort him and encourage him and, and give him your touch of healing, Lord. Please put your healing hand, Father, upon Brian and uh, minister to him, please. For Carol, Lord, as she's grieving the loss of her daughter, uh, Doreen, we just pray that you minister comfort as well. You are the God of all comfort, the Father of all mercy. And Lord, just by your spirit, uh, give her the comfort through your word and, 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 and through our fellowship. And just, just, just encourage her and comfort her and strengthen her, please. And Father, for Carolyn Hatfield, who's not well as well today, we just pray your ministering touch. Please help her. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this morning, we're going to continue our series in the book of Acts. And, uh, you know, last week, last week we saw Peter, and so we'll be in Acts chapter 2 in just a moment if you want to prepare for that. Peter uh, began his uh, sermon, we looked at his sermon, uh, beginning his sermon at Pentecost. And today we're going to look at the conclusion, we'll see the conclusion of that sermon. Uh, Peter... That was the first sermon of the Christian. That was the sermon that started the Christian church after the uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit, which we talked about last week. And Peter uh, spoke. He was inspired by the Spirit of God to speak the words of God about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And he spoke the words of the Lord, and thousands responded, as we'll see. They responded to the words of the Lord. Now today, there are many who mock the word of the Lord. That it, they mock the Bible as the word of God. That is, an, unless and until they actually open it up, really read it, and, re, and rightly respond to God's word. This is what happened to a woman by the name of Dr. Roslyn Picard. 
Dr. Rosalind Picard was a, is a professor at MIT. She is a researcher. And she tells a story in Christianity Today about her uh, journey of faith. And she says it this way. She says that she, at one time she was convinced that she didn't need God. She didn't re need religion. She declared herself an atheist. And uh, she dismissed believers as uneducated. You know, as an educated person, she said, I feel I should at least read the Bible. <laughs> so she, uh, you know, at least open it up. So she did. Dr. Picard, she says this, when I first opened the Bible, I expected to find phony miracles and a sort of gobbledygook. But to my surprise, she started in the book of Proverbs. To my surprise, Proverbs was full of wisdom. And I had to pause while reading and think. She read through the entire Bible two times. And uh, she said this. She said, I felt this strange sense of being spoken to. Part of me was increasingly eager to spend time with God, the God of the Bible. But an irritated voice inside of me insisted I'd be happy if I, uh, again, if I just moved on. In college, she says, another student invited me to her church. The pastor got, got my attention, she said, when he asked, who is the Lord of your life? She said, I was intrigued. I was the captain of my ship, but was it possible that God would actually be willing to lead me? After praying, Jesus Christ, I ask you to be Lord of my life. She says, my world changed dramatically. As if a flat black and white existence suddenly turned full color and three-dimensional. But I lost nothing of my urge to seek new knowledge. In fact, I felt emboldened to ask even tougher questions about how the world works. Today, she says, I work closely with people who, whose lives are filled with medical struggles. I don't have adequate answers to explain all of their suffering, but I know there is a God of unfathomable, unfathomable greatness and love who freely enters into relationship with all who confess their sins and call upon his name. I once thought I was too smart to believe in God. Now, I know I was an arrogant fool who snubbed the greatest mind in the cosmos, the author of all science, mathematics, art, and everything else there, there is to know. Today, I walk with joy, she said, along, alongside the most amazing companion with a capital C anyone could ask for filled with desire to keep learning and exploring. You see, Rosalind Picard opened the book. And when she opened the book, she opened herself. To, she opened herself to allow God's word to affect her life. The Jews that Peter is, is preaching to, we're going to read in just a moment, were allowing the word of God to affect their lives. They rightly responded to the message. And so I'd like to have us read together. If you, if you have a Bible, it's also going to be up on the screen. Acts chapter 2, and if you're able and willing to, if you'll stand with me, we'll read Acts 2, 36 to 41. 
Acts 2, 36 to 41, and it says these words. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. 3,000, 3,000 Jews, 3,000 Jews rightly responded to the message of Christ. They, they opened themselves up to receive it. You see, there was a right way and a wrong way to respond to God's word. And one of the things what we're going to learn this morning, the lesson we'll learn from these first followers of Jesus Christ is to rightly Respond to the word of the Lord. Rightly respond to the word, <laughs> to the word of the Lord. It is our response ability. It's our responsibility. Our responsibility to respond and to rightly respond. We're going to look at three right responses this morning to God's word. Three right responses God wants us to have to, th so that his word will have an effect upon our lives, okay? So the first response is this. To rightly respond to the word of the Lord is first simply hear. Hear. Hear the word of the Lord. You remember last week when Peter first spoke, uh, the, the crowd, you remember they were accusing the apostles of being drunk with wine, many of them. Peter stood up with the other 11 apostles, you might remember, and he spoke loudly. And it says this, it's in chapter 2 and verse 14, it says this. It says, he said, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. In other words, pay attention to what I'm saying. Hear my words. Hear my words words. We're talking about hearing the word of the Lord. And Peter now, in, in, in verse 36 that we just read, he's summarizing the sermon that he just preached. He's summarizing with these powerful words of certainty. And he says this in verse 36. He says, therefore, let all Israel be assured this God, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, not only is he the Messiah, but he is Lord. Be assured that he is. How, how, how shall we know? Because God has raised him from the dead. How do we know Jesus is the Christ? Because God has raised him from the dead. That's the argument Peter just made, just finished making in, this, in, in, in his sermon. That's the argument the Apostle Paul makes in Romans chapter 1, verse 4. It says, he is declared 
to be the Son of God by the resurrection from the dead. Jesus the Christ. Jesus the Christ. Now, the word Christ is a Greek word, Greek's translation of the Hebrew word Messiah. It means the same thing, the anointed one. Jesus is proved to be the Christ. How is he proved? Because he's risen from the dead. Every other world leader, every other religious leader in the world that has died, his bones are still in the ground. There's only one Jesus Christ who is risen from the grave. Amen? Amen. That's the assurance. The assurance that it's him. And that's what Peter is telling the, 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 the Jews. And it says this. It says that they opened their heart. Look at verse 41 now. If they accepted. See, they rightly responded. Those who accepted his message were baptized. Now, that word accepted means to be glad, welcome it gladly. It, it, to welcome the word, to welcome the message like water to a thirsty soul. They received it. They received what he was speaking. They heard it. They heard it and they responded. You know, Jesus says it this way. You know, the word of God is the word of life. It brings life to those who receive it. Jesus says it this way. John chapter 5, verse 24. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my words, if you hear them, and believe in him who sent me, has eternal life. He will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. If you hear it, if you hear it and you rightly respond. You see, life, spiritual life, we are spiritually dead in our sins apart from God. We have no spiritual life. We do not have the eternal life God wants to give us until we do what? Until we hear. We've got to hear. Look at verse 39. Verse 39 says, the promise is for you and for all uh, your children and for all those far off for whom the Lord our God will call. All those who are far off, who, whom the Lord will call. You and I are those who are far off. We're distant relatives in the family. We've heard the call. It says it's for all who hear the call. If you listen, if you listen to hear, hear the word. Hear the word. Ro Rosalind Picard heard God's call. She heard God's voice as she read his word. And she said, I felt this strange sense of being spoken to. Uh, once, once, and then once she received Jesus, once she received Jesus, she said her life was dramatically changed. From a black and white existence to a full color three dimension. Her soul was awakened. By God, she had been given new life. New life by hearing the word of Christ and responding in faith. That new life is not something we can work for on our own. It comes from hearing. Did you know that? Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Faith comes from hearing. And hearing from the word of Christ. Hearing his word. Faith comes from hearing. You say, you've got to hear with a heart of faith. You say, Larry, what do you mean hear with a heart of faith? Well, there's, you can hear, you, you can hear, two people can hear the exact same gospel message and have two opposite responses. Did you know that? 
what, look, look at this. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. Two people, two, one of them to one, it, could, it would have no value what they hear. To the other, because they hear with faith, it will bring them eternal life. If you hear it with the right response, listen to this now. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. It says, For we also have had the gospel preached to us, just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them, because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. Ah. Hearing with faith, rightly responding to the word of the Lord by hearing with faith. You see, these had, they, had no, they, did, they did not hear it because they had no faith. They had no faith. They, they did not hear God's voice. The first response, right response to the word of the Lord is to hear it, hear his word. Hear it with assurance. Hear it with faith. Hear the word. Now the second response. The second response, the right response to the, the word of the Lord is this. Be convicted by the Spirit of the Lord. Verse 37. Back in Acts 2, verse 37, it says this. When the people heard it, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other disciples, brothers, what shall we do? You know, when they heard it, they were cut to the heart. New American Standard says it this way. They were pierced to the heart. You see, that's what the Word of God does. That's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to pierce our heart to go deep into our soul, just like a sword. Doesn't that, isn't that what the Bible calls itself? Romans, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, a two-edged sword. The Word of God is living. It's active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It cuts between soul and marrow, bone and, uh, bone, <laughs> bone and marrow, soul and spirit, and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. You see, what it does is it pierces through your soul. If you're hearing it, if you're being convicted by it, it pierces you through your soul to judge the thoughts and attitudes of your heart. Why? To see if your thoughts and attitudes line up with the thoughts and attitudes of God. Are you seeing yourself as God sees you? Are you seeing your sin as God sees it? The Bible called, gives that, it has a word for that. It's called conviction. Conviction. Just like a judge would convict a criminal of a crime who was guilty, the Spirit of God uses the Word of God to convict us to turn to God, to turn to the Lord. It gives us conviction. It gives us conviction. God's Word pierces our heart, pierces our heart to give us Conviction. That's why, that's what's happening here now. The Jews are, are, are calling out to Peter. They're cut to the heart. It says it there. They're cut to the heart. They realize their sin that they have, Peter said, you have crucified the Messiah. This was the long-awaited Messiah. The one they've been waiting for for hundreds of years. They now see it. They realize it. Their only hope of salvation. Then they killed him. They were being convicted convicted of their sin. And so they come to Peter. They, they call out to Peter. And they say this in verse 37. They say this. They say, Brothers, he's talking to Peter and the apostles. 
It says, brothers, what shall we do? What shall we do? And, and Peter, Peter who knew what it meant to be convicted, if you remember, Peter who's speaking these words of God, if you remember, the night Jesus was arrested and the Roman soldiers took him and, and he sinned grievously against our Lord Jesus Christ. He denied him. And he denied him three times. Just like, Pete, just like Jesus said he would. And uh, Jesus told Peter before the rooster crows, you, have, you will have denied me three times. Luke chapter 2 tells us what happened after that third denial. If you'd like to look there, I'm going to look at Luke chapter tw 22 and verse 59. This is what happened after that third denial. And it says this. It says, Luke chapter 22, and, uh, verse 59. It says, about an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow, this fellow was with him, talking about Peter, for he's a Galilean, and what does Peter do? He says, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Aha. Oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. Just now... Just as he spoke those words, what happened? The rooster crowed. And I want you to listen closely to the next verse. What, I want you to listen closely. What happened? The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken. Ah. Peter gazed at gazed at Peter. He looked at him with his eyes. This reminds me of young students and teachers. You see, in a classroom, if, it's, if, 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 the young, if the teacher has a respect of her students, my wife is smiling, she knows this one, and, the, and, and if the student does something wrong, all the teacher has to do is do what? Gaze <laughs> with her eyes. And the student knows their guilt. I call that the teacher's gaze, okay, right, right. Now look at this. Jesus was Peter's rabbi. He was his teacher. And when he looked at him, when he gazed at him, it pierced his soul. And what does it say in verse 22? Uh, uh, I'm sorry, verse 62. It says, Peter went out and he wept, and he wept bitterly. This was a bitter, painful weeping, a weeping that came from the conviction of his sins. He was convicted by the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord uses the word of the Lord to convict us, to help us turn to the Lord. You see, it's our job to receive his word. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict us. Jesus said it this way. He told his disciples that he was going to leave and go to the Father. John chapter 16. And they were grieved. They were deeply grieved at Jesus' words. And Jesus told them this. It's for your good that I'm going. Because at, when I go, I'm going to send to you the counselor, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will do what? He will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Holy Spirit convicts. Re rightly responding to the word of the Lord is to, to be convicted by his word. The Holy Spirit 
convicts us. Now, now, these Jews that Peter was preaching to knew that they had sinned. They knew that they had rejected the Lord. They knew they needed forgiveness for their unbelief. They needed forgiveness for their spiritual blindness. They needed forgiveness for their disobedience to Jesus Christ. They were rightly responding to the word of the Lord because their hearts were convicted. They were pierced. And it says, and, and, and that's what you and I should be as well, amen? That's, that's how you and I should respond as well. We should allow the word of God to convict us when we do wrong and give us a conviction to do what is right. Listening. Responding to the word. To the word. They were rightly responding to the word of the Lord. And then they asked him, what shall we do? What, sh what shall we do? You know, that's a question the Jews asked. What shall I do? That's a question you and I should ask. What shall we do? What shall I do? What is, what is, the, right what is the right response? What is the right thing to do with the conviction that God's word had given to me? Rightly respond to the word of the Lord. How do you do that? First, you, you hear it, hear the word. Second, you're convicted by the word. And third, you repent in the name of the Lord. Repent in the name of the Lord, verse 38. It says, Acts chapter 2, verse 38, it says this. It says, Peter said, he, he replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to repent? Why is it so important? Jesus said, Luke chapter 13, verse 13, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Repentance means primarily the change of mind. You're changing your mind about the sin that you're following. And you, you, change, you change your mind, the sin that you're following, and you turn and follow the Savior. It's to renounce in your heart the attachment that you have to your sinful and selfish ways and to change your heart to follow God's ways. In the original, the original repentance, when you first repent, it's in turning to Christ. That's a repentance of salvation. You're repenting, you're turning to Jesus for salvation. But every Christian should repent. Every Christian should continually uh, repent. When we know we've denied Jesus, like Peter denied Jesus, you say, what? I've never denied Jesus. Well, listen, if you call Jesus your Lord, and, but you're not following his word, you're denying him. And when we deny Jesus, we need to repent. We need to repent, just like Peter is calling the Jews here to do, repent. Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Repent and be baptized. Verse 38. Be repent. Water, what, water baptism. Peter's talking about water baptism. Now, water baptism. Does water baptism cleanse your sins? No. No. It's an act of obedience to show your repentance. Uh, to show your repentance of your sins. Baptism doesn't cleanse you. It's the blood of Jesus that cleanses you. Amen? 
Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins. Water baptism is an outward symbol. It's a symbol of your identification with Jesus Christ. It shows the world that your allegiance to Christ, your devotion to Christ, your submission to Jesus Christ as your Lord. Water baptism. Water baptism is a symbol of what happens inside your heart. When you go down underneath the water, that's a symbol of being buried and dying to your old self, your, your, your old life, your life of being a slave to sin. Coming up out of the water is a symbol of rising to new life, a life that is free from sin in union with Jesus Christ. Water baptism is a symbol. It's a symbol of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord, when you call upon his name, the Holy Spirit comes in, into you and he baptizes you. And he baptizes you. And, 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 and the Bible says it this way. When the Holy Spirit comes in, so does salvation. So does forgiveness. Titus chapter 3, verse 5. Titus chapter 3 and verse 5 says it this way. Talking about the washing of the Spirit. And it says this. Uh, it says this. It says, He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. You see, when the Holy Spirit comes in, you are forgiven. It's not, it's not water baptism that saves you. It's receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord. Now, Rosalind Picard said her life was totally changed after she prayed these words. Jesus Christ, I ask you to be Lord of my life. Now, in the early church, when they were baptized, they were baptized calling on the name of Jesus Christ as Lord. That's how the Apostle Paul was saved. Listen. The Apostle Paul was on the road to Damascus. You know the story. He was going to persecute the Christians. Jesus appeared to him as a great light. And in this light, he blinded Paul. And Paul could not see. And, and, and Paul asked Jesus the same thing the Jews asked Peter. What shall I do? Jesus told him, get up, go to the Damascus. We'll pick up the story from there. Acts chapter 22. Acts chapter 22, beginning with verse 11. It says this. It says this. It says, Jesus speaking, get up, go to Damascus. There will be told you, uh, there you will be told all that you will be sign, assigned to do. Paul says it this way. I'm in verse 11 now, Acts 22. My companions, my companions led me by the hand to Damascus because I was the brilliant light. Because of the brilliant light, I was blinded. It blinded me. A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, Paul was known as Saul at that time, receive your sight. And at, at that very moment, I was able to see you. Then he said, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will 
and to see the righteous one and to hear the words of his mouth. You will be a witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. Now, I want you to, I want to pause for a minute, and I want you to listen closely to this very next verse, will you? Verse 16. Now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on his name. You see it? Calling on his name. The apostle Paul received the Holy Spirit, received Jesus Christ, because he called on the name of the Lord. And Paul himself quotes Peter in the, in the, in the, in the, in the Sermon of Pentecost. We saw it last week. And he quotes him in Romans chapter 10, verse 13. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you need to be baptized to be saved? No. Water baptism? No. Is it a commandment? Yes. It's a, it's a commandment of obedience to Jesus Christ. To call, but, but to call upon the name of the Lord for the forgiveness of your sins. That's what Peter is calling the Jews to do right here. And they did it. Let's take a look. Not only did they do it, but 3,000 of them, 3,000 of them. See, they called on the name of the Lord in baptism. <coughs> Calling on the name of the Lord is to repent. It's to turn. It's to turn to the Lord in obedience. Now we're in verse 41, Acts 2. It says, those who accepted the message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. In repentance, they turned to Jesus. They called on his name for forgiveness of sins. Rightly respond to the word of the Lord. First, by hearing the word of the Lord, hear it with assurance and with faith based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Second, the way to rightly respond is be convicted by the spirit of the Lord. The word is a sword to cut into our heart. It's to judge our thoughts and our attitudes so we can have the thoughts and attitudes of God. And then third, rightly respond by repenting in the name of the Lord. Turn to Jesus in repentance like the Apostle Paul who called upon his name. Dr. Picard said this. She says, I know there is a God of unfathomable greatness and love who freely enters into relationship with all who confess their sins and call upon his name. Walking in right relationship with God comes from rightly responding to his word. Will you commit to rightly respond, to walk with him in his greatness and his love? Father, we thank you for the word that you have given us. Your word, Lord. It's living. It's active, Lord. It's, a, it, 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 it's sharper than a two-edged sword. Thank you, Lord, that your word is meant to, to direct us, to convict us, to motivate us. Father, help us to, to take in your word and, 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 and to, to, to respond in the way that you want us to. Show us where we've sinned. Convict us and lead us in the path of righteousness. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for our sins and rose again. And it's through your blood and your blood only that we can find forgiveness by calling upon you, receiving you. 
follow you as our Lord. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen, everyone. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation in just a moment. I'm going to stand here and have the deacons have come up for prayer. If you have